Hello and welcome to Classic 15. I'm Michael Beek. This week I'm speaking to Naomi Belshaw, someone with lots of experience in the commercial side of classical music, having worked for PRS for Music and in public relations roles working directly with composers, artists and ensembles. She's also the chair of the Three Choirs Festival and works regularly with the Music Managers Forum Accelerator Programme. Naomi, it's great to have you with us. It's a pleasure. Wonderful stuff. Now, um, tell me, artists really do have to work hard today, don't they, in order to stand out? I mean, is it harder now, despite this sort of digital age we live in, for them to do that? I, I think it can be. I think in this day and age, there are just too many opportunities, almost. I think we're perhaps going back to maybe more of a model of the 19th century of you needing to be an entrepreneur, perhaps. But yeah. I think with the fact there are so many social media platforms and so many ways to access music and just you know access everything to do with music, you're trying to make so many decisions on what to focus on and hoping will help you break through or make a difference. And yeah. sometimes you could spread yourself too thin or focus on something that's maybe going out of trend so it doesn't do anything for you. And I think, yeah, it's it's that too much opportunity in a way. And so many people trying to break through because there is so much opportunity out there. And are sort of artists who are sort of emerging out of school and conservatoire, are they really ready for this? Are they being helped by their sort of teachers and schools to get ready yeah. for this commercial stuff? I think that is my biggest worry at the moment. Yeah, whether, whether it's artists, composers or anyone, especially in the classical world more than anywhere else, mm. there really is an issue between, I suppose, learning your practice and making sure you're the top of your game, whether you're the best artist in the world or the best composer in the world or anything like that and focusing yeah. on your art versus what you need to be a modern entrepreneur and look after your own business. And now I think you need to be made ready for that as part of what you're learning. Um, yeah. I feel like maybe some schools and conservatoires, universities are catching up, but it's mm. very, very slow. And when you leave, you're kind of left with, a, well, what do I do next? Oh, I can enter competitions. I could do this, do that. But it's the ones who are a bit more, I don't know, uh, just wanting to go ahead and, and try things for themselves that actually mm. can get further sometimes over the ones that maybe have the most talent sometimes sure sure and and the let's say a young artist is stepping out of conservatoire uh, hasn't really any experience in the industry what's the first thing they can do what's the sort of things they can do that aren't going to cost them money uh, or if they have got a bit of money what's what can they be yeah, investing well, in well i mean i i'd say it needs to start before they even leave and now yeah, sure. uh some of my advice may not be for every artist out there and i think every artist does need to think about what their priorities are and what their interests are but again, in our modern day and age, social media and being online is so important that it's now not about just doing a video representing your best self. It's actually sharing you as an individual. It's about mm. connecting with your audiences or people who potentially will be, uh, I suppose, people who might program you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And your presence on social media, recording behind the scenes videos of yourself or in practice, something that's authentic to you, helps start to create a story about who you are as an artist. And that can start quite early on. And you don't therefore need like expensive video equipment or anything else to do that, because actually what people want, especially audience want, is to get to know you. And I've definitely talked to organisations who are doing, you know, recordings in warehouses with more classical artists and they're talking about why do they always have to dress up it, it, it's not about presenting yourself at the concert stage it's about just presenting your 
ethos, if you know what I mean. And, and that's now shifted massively. And I mean, certainly in the UK, we're very aware of that kind of stigma of like it being too high class and therefore not engaging with certain audiences because of the way we dress or make it seem something that you can't be included in. So, I mean, I wouldn't say that maybe that's the case for a writer across the world and there might be areas or ways that you do want to be more conservative. And again, depending on your goals, you might have certain ways that you want to be presenting yourself. Therefore, I don't know, help the industry get to know you in the way you want. So it's going to be particular for everybody. But I think don't underestimate how important it is to do candid video and just any kind of shots. I mean, beyond that, yes, I would also say that buying some cheapish video equipment or hiring a videographer might be good to capture content early on concert that you're doing or getting one of those Zoom recorders or, or those kind of things to be able to record your performances. Because I think people want to be able to have recordings in order to get to know you as an artist as well. Um, but yeah, again, there's so much opportunity and you shouldn't discount anything. And I know British artists who've done a lot just on Instagram and that's been the kind of make and break for them getting programmed on some of the bigger console stages in Britain. And do you think there's a, a difference between getting noticed and being taken seriously as an artist? Because you mentioned things that maybe that aren't trending that they should maybe not be doing. Are there things that maybe these musicians who want to be taken seriously shouldn't be doing? I mean, that's a tricky one. And I guess mm. there are some things that I would suggest you shouldn't do just it more from almost, I would say, a marketing sense. So again, social media is, is, is so wonderful. There are so many different platforms you can engage with and there are new ones coming up all the time and you might be able to get noticed on some of them. But I think there is a certain way you need to be representing your authentic self again. So if you're just on the platforms, just always promoting your next album coming out or the concert coming up and nothing about you personally, that's not going to help grow your audience or make people feel they're engaged with you. And yeah, you want to be really careful about that. And some of the things I've learned in marketing in the last few years, at least an 80-20% rule or even 90-10% rule, in that only about 10% should be trying to promote something, sell something or encourage people to do something specific, like go to a concert, etc. The rest of it should be about you. And that's either about you and your love of music. It could be about you as a wider person and your other interests. And it varies from artist to artist what works for them. But yeah, he's into a, a term that I guess is quite a generic term, but your kind of unique selling point, really. Um, and you, everyone needs to have a little bit of that. Partly helps how you get noticed. And particularly on social media or other areas, it helps grow audiences or gain interest. And you could take another British artist like Anna Lapwood, and she's on TikTok. You could probably argue that the content she shares is not always serious. And maybe some people might even think she's selling out. But I think it was instrumental in her getting a position at the Royal Albert Hall as an artist in residence and the number of opportunities she's got out of that. And the number of average people I speak to go, oh, have you seen that organist on TikTok? It's amazing. And so again, the audiences she are engaging are far beyond just the traditional classical audiences. So... I don't know. Again, it's it's down to the artist what they feel comfortable with. And I often say to people I talk, uh, you know, when I'm giving talks elsewhere and things like that, like be authentic to yourself. So don't try and be on TikTok or on Twitter if it's not for you. Don't feel you need to be everywhere. But if there's something you like about pictures and Instagram or stories, 
and it fits into you as an artist, then you should be exploring that as a way to, to reach audiences now, as well as, I know, email blogs or what you're doing on a website. So that There are so many more ways to do it now. So find the avenues that, you know, feel good for you. So it's really about sort of sharing your personality as much as sharing your music and telling uh, a story. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Storytelling is is so, so important. So would you say then if, if, if an artist can afford to, you know, employ the services of a, of a PR agent or company or, you know, publicist, that is a necessity, really? Yeah, but I would say that with, with a caveat. So mm. PR is one of the most expensive things out there where you can't guarantee there will be an outcome for the money you spend. So first of all, you need to pick the moments in your career where you think there is such a good story or thing that's coming out about you that will gain the interest of journalists or you know, radio or, or, or all of those kind of things. So if you're just doing a, a standalone concert, it's very unlikely that that might be enough, unless it is a major, major concert, say at the BBC Proms or a major concert hall in Europe or something like that. But again, got to think about the story around it. Where are you in your career? What is it that you're saying about yourself in that moment so when you're talking to a PR agent agency, they can go, oh, well, yes, we, we can see here how we could tell the story of you at this pivotal moment in your career with what you're doing there. So it can be very different things. It, it could be an opera where there is something crazy happening on stage with maybe a cyclist or something like that, you know, and that can help uh, shoehorn the interest of a journalist and maybe even tabloid journalism. Or it could be, oh, it's a composer that's established but it's never been mentioned before that they lived in a lighthouse. So it's a personal story, but it creates a wonderful story that, again, journalists just key into. And even though it's classical music and there are lots of concerts happening all the time, and this particular composer only had one performance, the, the story had not been told about them was big enough that it got you know, national interest. But yeah, it's thinking about that story, saving money for PR, because it costs a lot. Um, and also, yeah, being aware that it may still not succeed because there could be world events or other things going on that suddenly take over. So your story is not as important as the other things going on. But PR is also a wonderful thing because you don't know the audiences you could be reaching by trying to promote yourself more. And there can be opportunities or new audiences that come and speak to you or people want to commission you or want to program you, put you on in festivals because of where they've seen you after that's come out. So, yeah, it's, it's an opportunity. Um, I mean, I could talk for ages about this. I suppose the other thing I'd, I would say is don't discount what you can do yourself. PR is partly about the research you do and the contacts you make. So... Right you can possibly, with a lot of, I mean, it takes time, but with a bit of work, you can find out the journalist you might want to connect with. You can find out other people in the industry, artists that you admire that are doing well. See where they've been published. See what articles they've had out. See who wrote about them. And you can possibly track them down via email, via instant messaging. Now, again, because we have so much access online, you might be able to reach out to someone and say, you know, I loved that article you wrote about x and x you know i'm doing this amazing thing 10 years later but i you know five years later and uh, i'd love to invite you to the concert or maybe have a chat about what i'm doing in the business that's new or where i come from and they might get back to you you might not even need a pr person but it does take a lot of work which is why the pr agency can be helpful and why you spend the money 
I get, and finally, uh, what what's what's the most challenging sort of sell uh, as a as a publicist? What what's what's the most difficult thing to try and get people excited about? Do you yeah, it's it's a mixture of two things actually. Okay. Sometimes, I think it can be the music. So if either the quality of the music being written or recorded by the artist is not up to par, even if you're selling a really good story the music is going to be important at the end of the day. You'd have to have an incredibly crazy story where, you know, it didn't matter where some journalists aren't going to take that in. Um, and it is, it's the art of the story in that, certainly in the many years that I've worked in PR or talking to artists and composers, they personally might think they have the best story, but it's actually pretty much identical to so many other people out there. Or they say, we have an amazing album I want to put out. And the album is of all of this collection of songs or these pieces, or it's it's the same, Vivaldi, Four Seasons. And it's like, well, so why why, why is yours going to be better than all the rest? What is what is your story that, that really helps? And, and I, actually, I suppose managing expectations on that related to the money when you're a PR agent, where an artist might go, oh, I'm spending the money. This is going to work. No, no, you, you, that's where you as an artist can take charge and be an entrepreneur. And what are you putting together as a whole project that you're putting forward that you might use PR on that you think will really interest audiences? And think about journalists as well. Journalists, radio presenters, they want to share things that their audiences like. So they are trying to build their own audience. So they will pick up stories that fascinate them because they think it'll build their audiences because of what they can write about it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's the same for magazine readership and all those things. It's, yeah. it's, it's all connected. It's like a knock-on, isn't it? Of, yeah, um, of, totally sort of, is. of audience. Of audience and it, and it, links, it links to, you know, festivals programming, venues programming, people commissioning. It all ties up. Yeah. At the end of the day, you've got to stand out. Individuality. In, it, yeah, but in your own special way. And that can be very absolutely. different for many people. So I, I'm not telling people to go out there and be on every social media platform or suddenly have to be writing blogs every 10 days yeah. in order but but it's it's looking at you where you want to go with your career looking at artists you admire um things like that and and kind of build a bit of a strategy about how you might get there or you know supersede that it's all great idea. advice Naomi brilliant advice <laughs> so I'm sure uh, our listeners will, will find much to uh, utilize uh, from that so thank you so much for your time on, on that subject great to speak to you today Michael that's all from this edition of Classic 15 our podcasts are available on all platforms and on our website www.classic.com where you can also find Classic's online concert series and other media on demand and don't forget to check us out on social media too, at Classic Music. Thank you for listening, and until next time, goodbye.